1: Um
0: This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.TV or check them on Twitter at clip it TV.
2: You're listening to BGN Radio. We'll be with
1: a lot of people. Um, you know, Tom, CA, they, they got a lot of players, so um, we we will be running into Tom Condon at some point over the next couple of days.
0: Sam's part of the Eagle organization, and uh, what he's done in the last – Half of last year, I think, has given him that opportunity to stay in Philadelphia. And, and listen, being in his shoes, being a being a player in his shoes, and, and you know, um, you, you have to want to be somewhere. And I think Sam wants to be in Philadelphia. episode number 148 and we thank you as always for tuning in no matter where you are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher or maybe you just have a uh, tin can listening outside my window which is quite exceptional I might add Uh, but wherever you are out there please remember to rate, subscribe, review uh, and give us your feedback because we want uh, to keep continuing to grow the podcast and make this thing as awesome as possible. It's going to be a combine preview as we have finally gotten to the meat and to the bones of well I mean fast 40 times and measuring people's hands the the meat markets as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon is has begun we'll get into that in a little bit with our main draft writer Mr. Ben Deton. what's happening this afternoon pal how are you
2: i am doing well it is rainy over here in new york city but i i'm living <laughs> it's my always, life. it
0: always sounds like he's about to go into some awesome emo type of uh, lyric every time we speak as well it's just a little bit of like Eeyore, but then we start talking about running backs and then bang zoom he comes right up so we hope uh Hope that's coming right <laughs> along for you. <laughs> it. Feed, feed this man some Pop-Tarts and let's get it going. Uh, we're also going to have uh, one of our SB Nation correspondents correspondents uh, who does uh, a lot of work over at the our the, one of the sister sites for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Big Ohio State fan, big Eagles fan. Can only imagine how much we're going to hear about Ezekiel Elliott, who we're definitely going to be talking about because we're going to be doing uh, some safeties, some running backs, maybe getting to do some arguments back and forth regarding those, as we like to do. Uh, and Her name is Alexis... I hope I'm not pronouncing it. Is it Chastine or Chastain?
2: We, we, Chastain.
0: Chastain. Look at me. So I'm a big dumb idiot already. We'll be talking to her as well because she's been down there during all the interviews and seeing all the player measurements and all, everything in between there. So very excited to talk to her. What I do want to say right up front is you heard uh, our our main sponsor clip it. That is C-L-I-P-P-I-T-TV.com. So check them out for more. Also clip it TV on Twitter, the same spelling there. They have heard your requests and answered our prayers for this weekend. Not only are they listening to us about possibly uh, linking up to finally get CSN Philly and get those going, so we can see all the press conferences for all the Flyers and Sixers fans that are out there. We're in that right now. Plus, for the football season that's coming up, gonna hear want to hear what a lot of what Howie and Doug and everybody's going to be talking about. Plus, the you know Phillies play on there all the time. Uh, th- that is coming. But what they have delivered right now is the NFL Network is finally on clipping. Big round of applause is. It was one one phone call, and we just said, "Look, we need to get the combine coverage up here. Is that possible to do?" And they pulled through. So uh, myself and Ben and everybody on the site is we're gonna. It's gonna be clips galore. It's clipping it galore this weekend. It's it's the beauty of this thing. Of just you know, you want to see the forty time. You want to see the the three cone drill. The I don't know picking up uh <laughs> picking up a couple of rocks whatever whatever they got going on at the combine uh we're going to make sure to show that and sh- and this is the perfect time to again it's free it's it's live tv you're up here you're watching it you're clipping it you're sharing it right on your phone there is no ne- no need to you know hold up to the NFL network on your f- uh, you know through vine or on your computer screen on nfl.com wherever you're looking for it it's right in the palm of your hand clear hd 30 seconds of that uh what is not clear Ben is I've been hearing some things this week, and we, we definitely want to tackle the combine, and we're going to get into that in just a short minute here. What I've been hearing all week since Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman have now taken the podium, as you heard that there in the beginning, and they're speaking down at the combine, uh, kind of interesting, and not only just with them, how the narrative has basically shifted to, yeah, I don't think anybody wants Sam Bradford, and therefore everyone expects Philadelphia to resign him. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, and all the things that we've heard here, even with Brandon, and even with... Going through the random text threads that we are all in and back and forth, it's just Sam doesn't want to be here. But it's more looking like I don't know if it's just rumor mill to get his price down uh, and everything that's kind of going on with that, or maybe this all, all these are just little love letters to Tom Condon. But I don't know what, what's your read on this now that more or less it looks like Sam Bradford is gonna come back and it kind of lines up with Malcolm Jenkins being extended, and we'll get into that too. But what are your thoughts? Have your thoughts changed? on uh, his willingness to come back here, or is this all just kind of fodder again?
2: I think the, the sentiment all along with the team, at least in the locker room, has they've always been very supportive of Sam Bradford. And I think since the season ended, you had Jordan Matthews, you had uh, Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, two big leaders in the locker room talk about how they believe in Sam Bradford and they like Sam Bradford. Uh, and our speculation has always been from what does Sam Bradford want? What does Doug Peterson want? What does Howie Roseman want? And and probably a little bit of what do we want, uh, honestly. And if the team has been able to find a comfortability both with Sam and, and maybe a price tag that uh, Sam and Tom Condon uh, have agreed on, then that's one thing. But I'll be honest with you. I can't really get enthusiastic about the prospect of bringing Bradford back because, you know, he's an OK quarterback. But. Is the team really going to want to invest in him as a as a potential long term starter? I think that's a a little bit backwards.
0: Well, yeah, I know uh, I won't have that argument for the fiftieth time, but I understand where everybody comes from on that. I, I I get it. I'm not really concerned about that. I mean, it's it, what what's going to happen is going to happen at this point. I think it's kind of I think it is a little bit interesting that it's shifted that way. And uh, credit to Benjamin Albright, who was on 97.5 The Fanatic, one of the last shows that we did said there isn't that big of a market out there, and I really fully expect him, you know, to to still be in Philadelphia. If I have that clip and I can find it, I'll put it in there, so credit to him again. But um, I just think I don't. it's interesting how that's moved on. I, I get the sense that it's more of driving the price down more than anything else. You know, I want him to be back here. If not, whatever. He moves on to a different team, and uh, I don't know. That's kind of that. What I will say is this, is the other thing I've been hearing And thank God that Malcolm Jenkins has been extended. I think that was a smart move. I think that was an obvious move.
1: I mean, you talk about how hard it is to find safeties and how hard it is to find guys who can be playmakers, who can uh, really change games from that position. And then you add in the leadership, and it was a no-brainer from our perspective to try to keep him here and make him a Philadelphia Eagle. All
0: those worrisome cap troubles that everybody was supposedly freaking out which definitely weren't there at the beginning and you're oh my god how can he keep signing these players and you know uh and doing all this stuff I think it's I think he fits perfectly uh with I mean it doesn't matter which defense you're in really I mean he's a free safety that's also a strong safety he does a lot multiple things he was the best safety considered by a, a lot of people last year it's a smart thing to lock him up here for five years uh I, I want to get your thoughts on that and then the next thing about Uh, You know Peterson. What people thinking about this team overall? But what is? uh, How did you feel about the Malcolm Jenkins signing uh, this past week
2: here? Malcolm Jenkins is probably one of my favorite players on the team, and he's a vocal leader off the field, and he is the leader on the field. He's a total badass. He's a great cover safety, and hell, he was probably one of our best linebackers last year. (laughs) I mean, when they brought him as a up a to play in the box. I mean, nobody looked as disciplined and run defense as he did on a consistent basis like he, he can really do it all on the field. And he's just an absolute awesome guy off the field. I don't know why you wouldn't want to bring him back. I, I, I loved the fact that the Eagles extended him and whatever price tag that was, I think is worth it because he's just that type of valuable player, both on and off the field.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's, um, it, it just makes sense with shorts. It makes sense as, He's going to be, I, you know, maybe he ends up being a, a the second signal caller with here, depending on what Hicks and everything else is. They need smart guys there. I mean, he just, he, he played his ass off. He deserved every cent that he got here. So I say this, and you you think of that, you think of Lane Johnson, you look at Vinnie Curry, you look at all the different moves, Salah coming back, the extension with Erds. I just think that this is more or less like this. This just makes sense. I don't think this would have been any different no matter who the GM was. Um, I, you know, I, you know, uh, D'Amico Ryan's gets cut. I think that was coming regardless. You know, you just saw that last year where unfortunately it really did. That second injury, you can't really use one of the guys. who can't recover from that. So that's an obvious move to save the cap space, but with all this and with, it looks like they're going to keep Jason Peters too, which we thought was an obvious cut coming into the season. There's still a lot of, you know, free agency hasn't even hit yet. So. Still waiting on this. The tagging process is still here. Anything can still kind of happen. Um, but when you're looking at this thing, I've heard a couple of different things where, like, oh, you, you just gotta let Doug and Howie rebuild this team. Got you. Got to let him do that. So you know he kind of gets the year the year off here. He gets the pass for the year. This was such a miserable mess. You gotta you gotta you know tr- uh, kind of fix this up or whatever. H- here's my response to that. Fuck that, because. It's not a rebuilding process, and we established that a month ago. And now you're looking at this and you go, okay, well, if the team really was this bad, why wouldn't you cut Jason Peters? Why is Brent Selick here? Why would you keep Malcolm Jenkins here? Why would you keep these guys on a really bad team or however you want to characterize them and say, yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't the way you do it. So I, I don't ever want to hear the word rebuild at all this season. Not at all. These guys have to – sorry, Doug has to win for me. This is a team that is a near playoff team, Uh, regardless of the hoopla from last offseason. Obviously, wasn't as big as a Super Bowl contender as most of us thought it was, and it ended up being a disaster from those expectations. But this is still a playoff team. And if they don't make the playoffs, uh, that's on Doug and Howie and everybody else that's in here because you have enough pieces on defense. I know the quarterback thing's in the air. But if you're going to choose somebody in this draft and you're going to go that route, that's your decision to do that. I expect you to win nine games. Is that crazy th- enough to think I, there been? Because I I I don't understand this this thing that I've been hearing all week. I heard it on the radio again this morning that the, these guys need to win and build at the same time because there is enough pieces here to win.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that this team is a lot more talented than people give it credit for. But at the same time, I'm not gonna. I understand the the angle that people are coming at this from because the general perspective with NFL football teams is if you don't have a quarterback, you're rebuilding, and you can you can argue all day and night about whether or not that's true, but there is a truth to the fact that this team is is looking for a quarterback. We don't know what's going to happen with Sam Bradford, uh, we don't know what's going to happen in this draft, and this team to me it feels a lot like uh, that 2012 or those 2011. Uh, Seattle Seahawks teams where you have, you know, really talented players on defense and you have some nice players on offense, but there isn't a quarterback there. Uh, And like the Seahawks did, you know, the Seahawks in the 2012 offseason, they paid Matt Flynn, which no one talks about. Um, (laughs) They paid Matt Flynn and they drafted a guy in the third round who turned out to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it's just—I mean—you have to be able to take chances like that. And, and I think that this team is a lot closer to contention than than some people give it credit for, because there is so much talent on both sides of the ball. And in my opinion, I think you know the biggest priority is one a quarterback, but you just need someone on offense to really take over. And I think that's what the team missed all around. Is is uh, in two thousand and thirteen, you had both Shady and Deshaun Jackson playing at such a high level and and their, their ability to propel the offense like they did is what helped the team get to the playoffs. And, in during uh, the 2014 season, you had a very strong season from Jeremy Macklin and, you know, inconsistent up and down season from LaShawn McCoy, but you had playmakers on offense and where you saw this year, the team was just totally bereft of that. And I think that needs to be a priority this offseason is evaluating the personnel and evaluating the draft evaluating free agency and Doug and Howie saying, how can we get this offense to take off? Is it a quarterback? Is it a franchise running back? Uh, is it something we can do with the wide receivers? Is it something that's going to happen schematically anything to get this offense churning at a level that it was in 2013? Uh, it, it's, that's what you need to be doing because this team does have defensive talent at every level. You have, uh, you know, Michael Kendricks and Jordan Hicks and Malcolm Jenkins, Eric Rowe, Vinnie Curry, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. I mean, playmakers at every level of the defense who suffered because of the inefficiency of the offense. And the offense suffered uh, in terms of efficiency because there was no playmaker. Uh, we It was just a massively disappointing season from DeMarco Murray. Uh Nelson Aguilar didn't live up to expectations as a rookie. And Jordan Matthews couldn't shoulder the load as a number one wide receiver. He couldn't, he couldn't really spearhead that passing attack. So I think what the team needs to do this offseason, and this is the most important thing, is how is this offense going to take off? Is it going to be with a, a big time running back or is it going to be with a new quarterback or, or what? And, and that's that's my take on it. And I agree with you. I think that this is a great offseason uh to make a play for that because there's this is a nice draft for running backs this is a nice draft for wide receivers um so I think the offense needs to take off under an offensive coach like Doug Peterson or you you have to worry and I think if the team's not able to show a lot of promise in in year one then I mean you have to worry about what Doug Peterson is actually as a head coach
0: yeah I just think it's you know it's just not that far off and I understand I completely agree a lot of people go look at the quarterback and go well, you don't have a team in, until then. and to a point, I agree with all of that. I just, you know, they're still in a they're in a very tough spot. Uh, and when you're looking at, you know, the meat market that's coming out here, look. And we'll, we'll get into this now, and maybe we'll veer back to some of uh, Howie's comments and what he did uh, to, during the off to learn and grow and yada yada yada, and shovel that shit with a fucking shovel. But what I, <laughs> you know, what I, what I what I do think is funny is our reaction to. Uh, a lot of the measurements that are going on, and I'm, I was just as guilty of it today uh, as anything else. When you know they they measure Jared Goff's hands, and they're nine inches. And if people don't know, the way they measure hands is basically they put it. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. They put it on a table, they stretch it out as far as you can, and then they measure from your thumb to your pinky, like across the way there. That's basically how to get your uh, your hand measurements down. So when I look at you know Jared Goff's frame, who I think is already maxed out. And then I look at his hands, which are nine inches, and it's not really – I mean, that's kind of the threshold for a lot of different NFL teams. It's not – you know, some people dip uh, uh, right in between there. There's some guys like Aaron Rodgers has just over, uh, you know, nine and three-eighths, I think is hard. hands. like we get really obsessed with, with the measurement stuff. And you shouldn't. Uh, you should get more or less pay attention to what's going on the field. At least that's my opinion, Ben. But when I look at guys like that and when, how, how much of those measurements – do you take those that that stock in? You know, is that uh, an indicator of anything for you when you go back and look at tape, or when you l- look at the measurements, look at the combine, and do all that? What does that tell you for you, Ben? Uh,
2: the history of measurements is pretty damning for for these guys, and of course, a guy can come along and be an exception. But up to this point, uh, there hasn't been there really hasn't been that exception. And Benjamin Albright, who we mentioned earlier is one of the smartest guys in the business when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. And he has a a chart dating back to 2008 uh, of all these quarterbacks that come out with his draft grades and measurements and everything like that. And there is not a guy with nine inches, nine inch hands or smaller uh, to come out recently. Who's been able to be successful in the NFL. I mean, you have guys like Sean Mannion and Tyler Wilson and it's just like players who – and and the thing with Tyler Wilson was when he was coming out of college, uh, I actually thought he was a first-round pick based on his tape. And you know, there were some swirlings during the draft process that he didn't really have the right physical measurements to play quarterback at, at uh, the next level. And he was drafted a fourth round, I believe, of that draft, and he is on a practice squad right now, um, which is very – I mean, it's interesting, and and frankly, the evidence kind of weighs against uh, weighs against guys who don't meet that threshold. So, I mean, on tape, I actually have worries about Jared Goff, and people can go back and read my scouting report I wrote on him back in October. Um, but his measurements kind of match my concerns where I was talking about, you know, he's a little bit smaller and and that worries me and he's not able to generate a lot of power on his throws because of his size and his, you know, his natural body strength and, you know, coming in at six, four and two fifth, 215 pounds with nine inch hands. He's actually has a smaller, uh, smaller hands and a lower BMI than Teddy Bridgewater who came out two years Mm. ago and everyone was knocking his size. Uh, So it's, At the very least, it's very, it's concerning.
0: Yeah. And so when you, that's what, I guess what we were trying to say last week is a lot of these guys like, and I even tweeted this out during the week. Like if, if golf is Bradford light and you know, I'm hearing Wentz's comps where it's like, well, except for Mayock, who for some reason wants to compare him to Andrew Luck, except more athletic. I think he said, all due respect to Mike Mayock, yeesh, uh, whatever it was getting Joe Flacco comps as your ceiling like a lot of these guys ceilings just they're just not it's not great and i I think one of them might end up lucking out in being a franchise quarterback and that's throwing a dart there it might be look it might be lynch and i might be completely wrong about all my assessments about him and what i see and look i'm just an amateur dude behind a computer screen when i look at that anyway but that's what i'm saying like why why on earth just to beat this drum again why on earth would you reach for any one of these guys with all these type of concerns here and I understand that it is a quarterback league, but there is, there is from Lynch to probably Hogan, is interchangeable. It's interchangeable. Like, I, I just like, God almighty. And, and one of the reasons why, and it's a good thing Ben brought it up because we're going to get into it right now, even with running backs, which I think e, the Eagles have a, a lot of people have been saying that's like a sneaky need, which I can see. I mean, there's still a lot invested in there, at least until next year. Then you can cut to Marco. You can get rid of Matthews. And this is probably it for Sproles, and who knows, this might be it for him this season. So there, again, it's another another great class for this. Uh, I want to know, though. I mean, is anybody other than Zeke uh, on top of your running
2: back list currently? Right? Yeah, I would say Derrick Henry is. I would love. Come the
0: fuck on! Stop this, everybody! Stop this. I'll I'll let you explain why. We're gonna fight. Go ahead.
2: Look, I (laughs) Derrick Henry is six foot four. And, and size is not the most size is not the most important part of a running back it's the motion of the ocean we get it but he is a 6 foot 4 nearly 250 pound running back who spent all of 2015 outrunning SEC defenses and i mean outrunning them he is fast as hell uh, and anyone who says he's slow or he's a fullback He's an idiot frankly um and it's that's just it's just lazy and i the concerns with henry are interesting because i think a lot of the concerns are kind of rooted in one general assumptions about the type of player he is based on his size and the college he's from um and i think that when people are evaluating henry evaluating his movement skills evaluating his ability behind the line of scrimmage they're watching it from the perspective of you know they're watching a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, or they're watching a guy like Kenneth Dixon, who are who they're much smaller backs and are able to move a lot more dy- dynamically right from the get go. I mean, this is physics. Uh, Derrick Henry moves very well for a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound running back behind the line of scrimmage. Repeat that
0: because uh, first of all, I owe I owe Ben a, a lot of different sodas because we bet, we're betting sodas on. I yeah. I swore that Derrick Henry would definitely be under two thirty nine. That was my limit. I was like, "There's no way he's." I was like, "There's this, this you know, Alabama stocking of the numbers type of thing going on." Then he comes out two pounds over his listed weight, and you're just like, "God damn!" You know, like and uh, and Ben did some research on this. Can you tell me uh, linebackers that he is bigger than right now? Some important names.
2: Yeah. So if you take all the all the linebackers to come out in the NFL draft since 1998. Derrick Henry is bigger than 77% of them. <laughs> that's very, that's and that
0: ridiculous. includes
2: Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, Michael Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis. He's bigger than all of them when they came out of college. And
0: so basically that means if you get to that (laughs) second or third level, there's not a safety or a corner. That's
2: really, no, it's, 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 it's physics. You cannot, he is Newton's law. Like if he was (laughs) like, he's the embodiment of Newton of every single Newton's law. He is, he is monstrous. And what people get concerned about is they see negative plays and what people need to understand. And we had had a conversation about this last week about running uh, about wide receivers and drop passes uh, and I want to I want to expand on it for running backs because running backs is a lot more important to look at um, what they do over the entire course of a game because no one no skill player is going to touch the ball as much as a running back besides the quarterback and if you have a guy touching the ball 25 times a game of course going to have plays that's just how life works uh, and I think what happens is people watch Ezekiel Elliott and they see him basically get positive yards in every single carry. And they don't realize that that's an exceptional trait. And he's an elite football player because of his ability to constantly gain yardage. And they go to Derrick Henry and, you know, he loses two yards on a play. He doesn't gain any yards on another player and he gains one yard on another play. And they say, oh, look at these negative plays. And they completely forget about the plays where he's outrunning entire defenses at 6'4 and 250 pounds. And, like, this is the type of, this is a home run threat dynamic that you're getting from the running back position. That if you give him the ball 20, 25 times a game, then five of those plays at least are going to be, you know, really big splash plays. And that's exactly what you want on your offense. And the other thing, which isn't really a scouting report, it's just math, is every time he falls down, he's gaining three yards. He's humongous. So like, he's a massive, like, he's a weapon at the running back position. And sure, he doesn't have uh, Ezekiel Elliott's, like, incredible consistency as a player. But part of what makes Ezekiel Elliott so special is his incredible consistency as a player. So if the Eagles and and uh, Doug Peterson has a propensity to like bigger running backs, uh, I talked with Benjamin Albright, who's, who's very familiar with the Chiefs. And one of the first things he said is, like, Doug Peterson loves big running backs. So... Guess what? Derrick Henry's a very big running back. <laughs> I'm thinking,
0: yo, if he, honestly though, if he goes at 13, because uh, it, 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 you, you, I'm going to flip out and so would you.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, and that's when you get into the conversation about, you know, running back value. And frankly, I would, I would, I would sprint to the podium, sprint to the podium for Ezekiel Elliott at 13. Um, I don't know if you would, but I would. And yeah, it's still, um, still hard for me, but, uh, if they took him if they took Derrick Henry at thirteen, yeah, I'd, I'd be upset. But in the end, it, one, it's about getting a good player, and two, it it it's about getting that dynamic back that we talked about earlier in the show. And I think that Henry can create that playmaking dynamic that the team missed last year at the running position. And when you have a player who touches the ball so so much and can create such an impact, I would. I mean. I'm on record saying I would rather have an elite running back than an elite wide receiver because it's so much easier to get the ball into the hands of a running back. And the running back is going to be touching the ball a lot more throughout a game than, than a wide receiver. Uh, and if they think that Derrick Henry can be an elite NFL running back, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility, uh, of possibility, then fuck it. Do it <laughs> like get him get him on the football team. If you think he can create if he if you can be that franchise offensive player that bell cow player that can transform an offense like Adrian Peterson or like Marshawn Lynch then do it get him uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Derrick Henry guy. So yeah, yeah
0: there's, I, there, well, there's t- I, I, I get you but he, he, here's the thing. I, I, I understand a lot of what you're saying. I don't see the difference. It, it really I really don't except for size and faster, and a little more agility. So I, I'm going to give him a comp, and it's going to be completely duh because I just said he's the better version of this. But I, I think he's a, a better version of Eddie Lacy. And I don't know if that's really... And look, I know they went to the same college, and it's really a stupid comp to do, have that with you know the logo. And I do have some bias against Alabama, because I look at their DBs, and I look at their running backs, and I go, eh, it looks a little symptomatic there. And I know you, you hate logo scouting, I, I hate it, it but, I, but I can't get it out of my head. Uh, and I think a, a, a lot of the, I don't know if a lot of the NFL scouts do that. They probably don't, otherwise they'd lose their job. Uh, but maybe some of them do, because just like Sean Pate was saying, like half of them are incompetent. But I, I, I mean, I just don't see the dynamics that, that between him or, or, I mean, like I think Ezekiel out is far and above better uh, running back. And when we played this back uh, in October of this year, it'll be, Kind of fantastic to listen to and see. I tell you what, I want to hold off on that because uh, right now joining us on the, uh, the, we'll call it the Clip It Hotline because I actually haven't identified it ever since those uh, other folks left. Uh, but Alexis, are you there? I'm here. Excellent. Uh, it is uh, Miss Alexis Chasson. Alexis, where are you writing now? You're all over the place. You're all over my feed. You're all over Twitter.
1: Um, land Grant, Holy Land, and then for SB Nation. Uh, just our NFL desk.
0: Excellent. So I was. We, it's a good thing you were coming in because we, we almost started talking about the Ezekiel Elliott uh, talk, and I know you were down there. I, I mean, are you, are you down there just to kind of check in on all the old Ohio Staters, or are you there to just kind of check uh, everything out and, and get, get a perspective of what's going on
1: down there? A little bit of both. This is my first combine, so it's pretty exciting. But I definitely, with 14 Buckeyes here, wanted to come in, sort of follow their whole draft process. And then I'll, you know, follow that up with the pro day workouts and then through the draft.
0: Uh well I'll, f- I'll follow up with this because we we're just arguing about Alex Henry. Uh and uh are you, you Derek know, Henry or Derrick Henry. Looks listen to me, Alex Alex Henry's no longer in the league and think God he, he's uh nowhere wrong. Yeah no <laughs> Henry we we're arguing about because uh, I think your boy Ezekiel Elliott is clearly the number one running back here. We haven't really touched on that much but In your mind, what do you think celebrates or distances a guy like Ezekiel Elliott from a guy like Derrick Henry?
1: Well, I mean, size-wise, I did not know how big Derrick Henry was. I mean, I can't stress that enough. He's 247 pounds. That's crazy. (laughs) But Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know. He's fast, and his blocking ability, I think, is going to be a real treat for teams who need that. And he's good to fill in for like a smaller running back who can sort of, I don't know, uh, make, or shift his way out of coverage and find the hole and take it to the end zone. Now,
0: uh, just aside from uh, Ezekiel and everybody out there, is there anybody else that's just really impressed you, either just from measurements or how they've interviewed so far with the rest of the media? Uh, yeah, any sense of that going on?
1: Well, um, surprisingly, I was actually a punter from Syracuse, Riley Dixon, was a really good interview he was um i know right who would have thought (laughs) he uh was he used to be a quarterback in high school and then in 11th grade just decided hey i should focus on something and it's going to be kicking and then he decided to be a punter
2: yeah so john and i were working about quarterbacks and quarterback measurements and we were just wondering if any quarterbacks really stood out to you through the interview process or just kind of the eye test during the the past couple days
1: well, it's been pretty interesting. I sat in on most of the quarterback press conferences, and they actually did Vernon Adams yesterday because he is throwing for the position drills. And I, you could tell he was nervous at at first. I think he said, "I can learn pretty quick, six times in the first answer." But as he got more comfortable, he, you know, he said he wants to run like a four, five, four, six, and. He's not shy about the fact that he's a short quarterback citing Drew Brees and even Russell Wilson and even said no disrespect to Tom Brady, but he gets his balls batted down too. <laughs> <Nice>. So, <laughs> so he, he's not too concerned with size, which is nice.
0: There, there was a lot of obvious chatter about Jared Goff and we are even talking about that there. Is there like a lot of buzz about, you know, his hand measurements? And I know he came out and was just like, look, I'm not that concerned about him. Um, is it, you get any sense in anybody's, kind of changing their minds more or less about where these quarterbacks are going to end up ranking?
1: I think so. It's kind of weird because you would think that they would have a general idea of his hand size at this point. And it wasn't a big deal up until now. And so now that they announced it and it's official, I don't think it'll change anybody's maybe scout grade or where they want to take him. But I definitely think, People are questioning it a little bit more. They're going to go back and look at film for sure.
0: Uh, and I want to stick with Let's stick with Ohio state too. Cause uh, Cardell Jones has obviously been, you know, a lot of people's like favorite. Hey, would you take a flyer on him in the fourth or fifth round? Uh, and you know, he gets measured again today. And again, he's just huge. It's whatever. 253. I think he finished that six, five, you know, uh, what is, uh, what's been the kind of buzz uh, with him lately?
1: Yeah, he's huge. I mean, people want to definitely co- compare him to Ben Roethlisberger I mean, he's definitely the kind of guy who can is comfortable in the pocket and just can throw the ball without taking a step 80 yards if he needed to. Um, I, it was weird because in college, he seemingly succeeded when he was like <laughs> barreling through defenders. And he uh, answered a question today and said he actually doesn't like to do that. He'd prefer no contact, but... You know, if it's third and one in a national championship or Super Bowl situation, he's going to rush through.
0: Yeah, no, I think that would, I think that'd be a good idea. I think quarterback <laughs> quarterback sneaks would be <laughs> uh, kind of up there with uh, maybe even better than Tom Brady with the man of his stature and size. So, uh, before we let you go, just anything else that you're looking forward to this weekend? Is there any players in any really any uh, other than punters? I know we've already established that so far, but. <laughs> Sorry. Anybody yeah. else that uh, you're looking forward to, to see this weekend?
1: Um, I'm excited for um, the cornerbacks and safeties. I think there's, there's a lot of like underrated talent in that group. And I think they're also going to be really entertaining. So I can't wait to talk to them,
0: man. If she doesn't, if she doesn't have a perfect segue for what we're going to talk about next, we replace Shantel Alexis. Thank, thank you so much checking in from the combine. Of course, uh, yeah, give everybody your uh, Twitter handle so they can follow you for the weekend.
1: At Lovely Buckeye,
0: uh, of course. And <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: of course <laughs> uh, Alexis Chasson thank you so much for uh joining us right here on BJN Radio we really appreciate the time
1: thanks so much have a great
0: day all right uh there she is so uh yeah I mean just the kind of kind of interesting I don't know I didn't realize she was going to bring up the punters there Ben so that's uh we're gonna we're gonna one docking point for that but overall I think a solid 9.5 uh with the information that she's
2: yeah gonna absolutely have. uh
0: so yeah I definitely uh go uh, give her a follow and um uh, if, yeah, I, I I think Cardell Jones, and I know this is like, I know you've had some opinions on this too, where it's just been, I, people still don't know what to make of him. Uh, they look at the the crazy run from uh, two years ago when they beat Oregon, and like, oh my god, and like, why didn't he go jump into the draft now? That would have been a perfect time for that. Uh, I would figure a guy like that stock, and I know it's the down year and the in between with Barrett back and forth. You figure at least a guy in this class. We have a little better of a grade than fourth or fifth round, at least with the tools he has. What do you, what do you, what's your feel on Cardale Jones right now?
2: I think that it's just massive recency bias uh, with a lot of people in terms of what kind of player he'll be in the NFL because he's shown he can play at an incredibly high level he's during Ohio State's championship run last year, and uh, you know the team lost Tom Herman, who is an excellent offensive coordinator, the team lost Smith, who is their premier deep. Uh, and the offense as a whole—you saw the entire offense, not just Cardell Jones, but also uh, Elliott's production took a hit. JT Barrett, who had an outstanding uh, redshirt freshman season, he he took a hit throughout the season. So it, people were just looking at Cardell Jones' re- regression, which I think is interesting to see. Uh, and you you still see a guy who has immense physical capabilities, uh, easily the strongest arm in the in the class. Great build. Uh, very gutsy in terms of both passing, standing in the pocket, willing to take off and run, you know, if it's necessary. And it's just, he has all those kind of, he has all the physical traits and has a lot of really nice and tangible things going for him where he's just so gutsy and his teammates absolutely love him. And there's rawness to him, but there's rawness with any quarterback in this draft and there's rawness with any quarterback who hasn't really been starting as many games as Jones has so, I would. He'd be an excellent, uh, you know, project player. I, I would love to bring him. You know, if the team could get him late day two, early day three, something like that, uh, and and work with him, I think this this staff has excellent, you know, excellent potential in terms of working with quarterbacks because you have Doug Peterson, you have uh, Frank Reich, and you have uh, Flip, all of which have quarterback pedigree. I think that if you want to be able to build. A quarterback if you want to you know, if you want a, a project quarterback why not take the guy who has all the tools in the book and that's cardell jones so i think people are having some they're overreacting i think without really looking at the context of the player uh and i would still i would still definitely take a flyer on cardell jones you know anywhere from day two to early day three in this draft
0: yeah and so would i and it's the same with a lot of the guys that are kind of around him like not that you know connor cook's a a day three or day two. I mean, well, I guess Connor Cook would be a day two guy. the The way this kind of shakes out, or press. That's what I'm saying. Like there are, and just like you said, between him and Brissett, like six five two fifty, six four two thirty six. Uh, it's, it kind of fits with, it, just like you're saying. Like it fits the mold with with all these guys. And I will say, even with Vernon Adams, I mean, geez, I know he's five eleven, but as far as like his, and this is one of the things I think I saw you talking about with uh, Jeff Risden is where. It, though he's short his his bmi is is has room to grow like there's thickness in there uh that's where you could go from wherever he's at 195 or 200 or whatever he's listed at and get to the, you know a, a little a little heavier a little muscular and be able to kind of work the pocket a little better but what's uh, wh- what's your take on on Vertum adams because i know a lot i've seen a lot of people where it's like cfl level stuff and i've seen people where it's like uh, you can maybe hang around in the NFL, but uh, what's your take on that? Well,
2: I, I I published a Vernon Adams scouting report yesterday on Bleeding Green Nation, and I advise everyone to go take a look at it. But when people look at quarterback size or when people look at size in general for a player, it's important to look at the context in which that size actually affects them when they're playing rather than just kind of extrapolating randomly in terms of what will happen in the NFL because if you look at the NFL you have a guy like Ben Roethlisberger you have Sam Bradford you have Zach Mettenberger you know all tall built pocket quarterbacks all of whom have suffered massive injuries during their careers because they've been in the pocket and it has nothing to do with their size and then people take a look at Vernon Adams and he's you know he's six foot you know 5'11 six foot and he is 200 pounds and people freak out he was healthy his entire college career outside of his one injury at Oregon where he slammed his hand into a defender's helmet. Now, that has nothing to do with the fact that he was 200 pounds. If anyone slams their hand at full speed into anyone's helmet, that hand is going to break. Um, and people are, well, proves that he's injury prone. It doesn't. It, that's just, that's, that, I mean, Dan Fouts got injured by that. Troy Aikman got injured that same way and nobody's going to, you know, not draft Dan Fouts or Troy Aikman ever again. It's just it's it's stupid and people are just characterizing based on size. And when you look at Adams as a player and how his size actually affects him as a player, he doesn't let it really affect his vision as a passer. He does a good job of maneuvering the pocket, maneuvering outside the pocket in order to to get a good throwing plane to, to make up for his height. And he does a great job of protecting himself as a runner. And most importantly, he has very good natural upper body strength where he can generate velocity on his throws um, You know, from an uneven base with just his upper body. And I think that's an important thing with quarterbacks where even when they're a little bit compromised – they're able to generate arm strength to make throws. I mean, that's one of the greatest things. I mean, this is this is a little bit uh, of a digression, but that's one of the greatest things about Cam Newton is that he he is so strong in his upper body that he can basically throw from any kind of uh, base and, and make it a, an accurate, powerful throw. But when you juxtapose uh, Vernon Adams is Vernon uh, Vernon Adams's body, you know his strength compared to a guy like Jared Goff, Jared Goff, you know, he's 6'4, 215 pounds, but he needs basically a perfect situation in terms of lower body and upper body mechanics to get any kind of, you know, decent velocity on his throws. And if any part of that puzzle is compromised, then it takes a lot off his throws and his velocity dies and his passes are inaccurate. But with Adams, you see a lot more consistent ball, uh, even from, you know, improper mechanics and that really speaks to uh, his natural athletic ability his natural strength so i'm not going to worry too much about his size i think that you know he's proven he can stay healthy at any level and he's proven that his size doesn't affect him in his game so why just randomly assume that it's going to affect him now
0: yeah no it's a it's a great point and it's one of the reasons again like i you you know you i don't think you should reach for any of these guys because there's so many good projects with certain upsides and certain downsides that it's just, you know, take, take the better skill player at that point and figure it out as you kind of go through the draft. I do want to come back to the running backs for a little bit because uh, I know we were getting into somewhat of a heated debate, and this is what I was going to say about Henry. How many catches has he had in his entire college career?
2: Oh, I don't have he, that number in front an- of me, but the, it's low.
0: The answer is 17. So this is, and and again, and uh, Alexis actually pointed that out too. I'm not too keen on him as, as, a, as a blocker, although he has improved in there too. He's improved in both of those things. Yes, that's teachable. It just doesn't it doesn't seem like it's natural to him. So, again, this is where I come from. Do you really want a banger who, again, is that a movable object? If you can get him through there, if your offensive line's great, if you're in a power running scheme, if you have a fullback in front of him, sure. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily going to do that. I don't think they figured out here. Are, are they basically doing it? Can we say, safely say that they will go back to a zone blocking scheme here in Philadelphia now that Doug Peterson is
2: here? Gap block blocking.
0: Gap block. Okay, so it, uh, it's slightly different. I think it's obviously. I think Henry could still work in that system. It still has that kind of, you know, the 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 powerful running game that they would hopefully be looking for. But I just uh, I don't see a dynamic guy. I get it. The, the North and South, the Big Bang, whatever. I just don't. I, I I don't get it. That's why a guy like Ezekiel Elliott is is still going to be tops for me here, and I I just don't see. You know, does that factor in, in into all for you, or is that just not that that does not matter when you're looking at this class right now? I just see I see a lot more dynamic running backs than Derrick Henry, other than just being like, oh, he's really big and he can pound through guys, and yeah, he runs fast. And by the way, none of these guys are running the forties. That, that that's kind of weird,
2: isn't it? Derrick like, Derrick Henry is running the forty.
0: Oh, he is running. I, okay, my yeah. bad. So that'll be interesting to see. I guess if you're looking for somebody, if like, what would. I, I take that bet because you're pretty much already sold on me. I think he would have to almost be at a low four five for me to be get really
2: excited. You think Watch he, him run it. It'll or, it'll happen. Okay, it'll happen. Five I, four four five three. I think that's my guess. Four, we five, can bet three. another soda on oh,
0: it. God, okay, I'll take the over on four five three. But uh, you know when you uh, obviously like Kenneth Dixon's name always kind of comes up. There's Devontae Booker his name Alex Collins. Like there's guys that are around him that have that uh, have those different dynamics there. So what is I guess what's uh, what is more important for you when it comes to that? Is it is it because he's just that physical freak, uh, the downhillness of him, it makes you the top the top guy as opposed to the guys I just listed?
2: Well, uh, I just want to clarify that Ezekiel Elliott is my top running back. Okay,
0: I, okay. Think, that, right. I think I
2: think yeah, I, I want to I want to say that he is one of the best. Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best two players in this draft. Um, I think that's a and my and, and my number two running back is actually Kenneth Dixon. <laughs> out of uh, Louisiana tech. Okay. I, I just want to, I want to, I want to contextualize everything. Okay. All right. Derek Henry is, is my third running back and I, I will admit that there's flaws with them, but I think that what he can bring to the table is incredibly dynamic. And I'm not going to blame a team for falling in love with that because the, of course there's inconsistency inconsistency to his game. And I think that's a lot of people's bones with him is, you know, he takes a little bit of time to generate speed and, you know, he can get brought down behind the line because he's not at full speed yet. And I get that. That's fine. But when you're having a guy who's breaking off multiple 50 yard touchdowns against SEC defenses, you can't, you can't question his, like his dynamic ability. He's obviously a dynamic football player. He's obviously a home run hitting football player. It's not like, a, and I like Alex Collins, I like Devontae Booker, I like guys like that, but those are the type of guys you draft to get you four or five yards at a time, which is fine, which is valuable, great, but none of those, neither of those guys are going to break off 80-yard touchdowns, and when you have a guy on your football team who can break off 80-yard touchdowns, defenses are going to respect that on every single down, uh, and I think that's what Derrick Henry's going to be able to bring to a football team. Until so, he,
0: well, until they put two linebackers on him and shut him down. And then then that game I, plays. Pretty much I, it's, right. it's not like going to happen
2: because he, he just he's running through everyone at the college level. And we just and people are just kind of assuming and I'm not just saying you. I, this is a general uh, consensus is that, you know, he's going to be easily slowed at the NFL level. And I just I don't see I don't that happening. Gonna, because, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. I don't think he's going to be easily slowed. I just, the, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of catch up in year one. As, as physically dominant as he is, and yeah, he can shove the SEC athletic crap up everybody's ass because it doesn't. It doesn't. like great. That doesn't. It's the NFL now. Uh, I I get it. Uh, it. There should be. That's where that like competition thing starts to come in a little bit, and I I, I get it, but it doesn't necessarily translate all the time. So I I too uh, say no uh, to that. But uh, I, but I get where you're coming from. Trust me. I just don't see. If you're, if that's what I'm saying, if you're taking the guy like Henry in the first round, oh boy, I mean, you're betting a lot, you're betting a lot on that. So I, I, I think Henry's a good player uh, and I think he could be a great running back, but I'm, I'm definitely waiting till uh, day two on that. Uh, We can get into this more. I just want to get your quick thoughts on uh, something that's interesting in Eagle Land is uh, I'm just running out of time. We could talk about this forever, but we're going to try and keep this a a little bit under an hour because I got... I my mean, my schedule is a little tight today, but uh, as far as what what I think is funny is, for the first time ever, the uh, Eagles need a strong safety. They need a box safety to come in and knock the snot out of people, and nobody's talking about that because <laughs> it obviously looks like Walter Thurman's going to be moving on here unless something else changes. But this is the time to go get a banger, and there's a couple of good bangers as far as the safety position is concerned. With your fit. Uh, You know, overall, I'd love to hear it, too. But with your fit with the Eagles, who do you think are some of the better safeties on the board here?
2: I watched this guy last week uh, by suggestion. I want to shout him out uh, by suggestion of Charles McDonald uh, at at Sunday Fiasco. McDraft (laughs) 2
0: was was so much better, buddy. I'm just saying. Yeah,
2: yeah. But uh, it's okay. He's moved on. But one of the best draft follows out there. Uh, Charles told me, he said, watch Keanu Neal. He's uh, the Florida strong safety, 6'1, about 210 pounds, absolute fucking badass. And I, I do not use those words lightly. He is one of the more rude players I've ever seen at the college level. And he's a, and people, when you watch his highlights, his highlights remind me a lot of, Calvin Pryor's highlights, Ooh. but unlike Calvin Pryor, he's, there actually are good. S- he's there's so, <laughs> there's so less low lights, you know, Calvin Pryor was this wildly inconsistent player at Louisville. Um, and that really turned me off of him. but Keanu Neal as a strong safety has a lot. I mean, it's just, he is an intimidator. He hits hard. He can cover well underneath and the, and he's actually, he's incredibly athletic he looks incredibly athletic on tape. And he could play free safety as well. I think that he's a lot more raw the farther away he gets from the ball, but he definitely has the ability to play there. So it would definitely be awesome to have a guy like Neil who can you know be a badass in the box but at the same time can give the Eagles flexibility if they want to ever switch their safeties out. So he's definitely my favorite uh, in terms of the, the, like the strong safeties or the safeties in this class. Um, other guys, I, I think that the the Eagles would really like, I think that um, Darian Thompson out of oh, Boise state.
1: Guy,
2: yeah. His, his hype has been in an upward direction for the past three weeks, six uh, to 215 pounds can play either safety position incredibly fast, uh, super, I mean, huge hitter. Uh, so, I mean, I think that he could definitely play free safety and, and keeping him purely at strong safety would, would maybe limit his, uh, his ceiling on a football team. Um, but he's another guy to look out for. I'm a really, really big Carl Joseph fan. Um, nice. And I think that people don't really, haven't really been talking about him as much as they should be because he got injured and he's a bit smaller, but, he is, will just knock the snot out of anyone. He has great ball skills, very versatile, and I, I think that that's someone the team is going to have to consider if he, you know, slips into day two, uh, which I really don't think he should if he tests if he ends up being healthy right now. So yeah, this is a really I, I think this is a really oh god this is going to be such a punny thing. This is a very <laughs> strong safety. Class. I hate myself. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> this is a good safety class. And I think that there's going to be plenty of guys on every single day uh, that could potentially compete for that strong safety spot.
0: Yeah. And I'll throw one more. I, I, I mentioned it before. I think it was three or four weeks ago. I'm just going to put it back in there again DeAndre Houston Carson. I love my small school guys for whatever reason. But uh, it, obviously, you, see, you know, a four year started there. And yeah, even though I just made fun of level of competition. William and Mary is not exactly the the, the bastion of uh, you know of greatness when it comes uh, to a lot of the skill position guys, but if you, I, I mean I'm just specifically talking about bangers and the, you know he's probably more of a day three guy anyway, maybe day two if 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 you get crazy, but very explosive, very explosive as far as like his acceleration and uh, a, a guy that again is could fit in that hybrid role where you eventually become that linebacker safety type of thing, which. Again, I'm, do- I'm just guessing. That's what Schwartz kind of wants. He's my—he's one of my guys that I- that I think is really just very fluid, can shed blocks. Amazingly enough, maybe uh, not strong enough to take on Derrick Henry, but uh, <laughs> but it's possible, you know. It just well,
2: it'll be <laughs> Eagles, so he won't have
0: to. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh, but again, a guy that's got you know kind of great vision to seize all the field, kind of reminds me of. <clears throat> Ryan Dawkins just a little bit just a t- the, oh the my God bit, the tiniest bit <laughs> but not that that's a good thing you whispered there. that yeah not that that is literally anything I'm looking for just you know the intensity part is kind of there but uh we're gonna uh, wrap it up here Ben again a thanks to clip it for uh it, we're not only being our sponsor but getting the NFL network on uh before this weekend because it's very important so thanks again go check them out at ClipItTV.com, uh, clipp it.com uh give me your final thoughts to leading into the combine here ben
2: yeah everyone make sure they watch derrick henry run a two uh 4.53 and then <laughs> at john Barchard when he does and let him know that he owes me a soda there you go
0: uh i you know it, it's unfortunate because m- most of the time there'd be uh, a lot of prop bets for the, the combine i haven't seen too many out there so uh maybe we'll uh, next week regardless we'll still give our impressions we'll I'll see if anybody kind of like made us jump out and go back and watch watch some more tape because that's basically what all the combines about. Look, this I guess that's my final message to everybody here is just uh, the the thing about the combine is yes, not overall does this matter because the tape is really what matters at the end of the day. But just like Ben has been saying, and just like Alexis has had even said, and thanks to her for joining again, those are the, that's what they're there for to get a closer look and be like, oh man, actually. Uh, You know, I might have been wrong on some of this stuff. And that's the hard part about even couch scouting and even looking from your computer screen. We don't know the play calls. So maybe a dumb thing that we thought was a dumb thing on either side of the ball might actually have been a smart thing to do when it was just the result of something else being fucked up. Like maybe that was the right read. So what I say is, yes, it is not important, but it's uh, it's important. (laughs) At the same time, uh, dealing with the combine. So... Uh, With that, uh, we'll wrap up uh, episode number 148. We thank you all for listening right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. It's been uh, BGN Radio with John Barchard and Mr. Ben Natan, and we'll see you real soon. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now
2: reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours.